0: Hello and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by a Wealthfront. I'm Simone de Rochefort, Supervising Video Producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Christina Warren, Senior Developer Advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, Executive Director at Rebellion Pack. We have a uh, exciting news-ish show for you tonight, uh, but first, uh, Christina, where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Copenhagen, Denmark. So
1: Woo. it is it is midnight as I'm recording this. So I'm, I'm not going to be... Uh, I'm going to be completely honest with with both of you. I was sleeping before this. I'm going <coughs> to be sleeping after this. I'm very tired. But I, I am in Denmark. And I will also be off next week because I will be in Tel Aviv where um, it is one hour... There will be one hour greater um, time difference... And um, there's just no way that I can do the show.
0: I'm super jealous because I've always wanted to go to Copenhagen. Um, and hopefully someday, sooner rather than later, I will get there. Yeah, okay. I think you would like it. It's lovely. I've never been here before, but I've been to all
1: the other Nordic countries. And um, and Copenhagen is lovely. So uh, um, this is Have you run great. into Maz
0: Mikkelsen yet at the I grocery have, store or something?
1: I have not, but... I did run into Rocket listener Matt um, at a, at GitHub at our at our offsite summit. So so shout out to hey. Matt for, for being a listener. Um, I did not have a chance to buy him a drink at the open bar tonight, but I will find a way to buy him a drink at a hotel bar at some point this week. <laughs> so. All right.
0: I wish you lo- now we know what you're doing this week. Uh, Let's hop right into our first topic then. So, yes, we are talking about the MacBook Pro, the (sighs) 13-inch MacBook Pro reviews. The MacBook lineup is kind of weird right now, I'll be honest. So we've got the MacBook Air with the M1 and M2 chips. We've got the 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pros with the M1 Max and the M1 Pro chips. And then... Available Friday, June 24th, we're getting the 13-inch MacBook Pro with the M2 chip. Um, And it is a weird little machine, ostensibly (laughs) like Apple's latest entry-level Pro machine. Um, And reviews of it are out now, uh, and everyone is kind of discussing how how odd an entry into the Pro lineup it is. So this is a, a Pro that has the latest chip, the, you know, highest processing power, but it retains the form factor of the the chassis of the 2016 to 2020 MacBook Pro, which means it's got that freaking touch bar. Um, as noted in Gizmotor's review of it, it's got a 720p webcam. It's just got the two uh, Thunderbolt ports, uh, and it's got those like older, thicker bezels rather than the notch that the newer MacBooks have. Um, it's got a, a bit, you know, a bit of a smaller screen, of course, because of those thicker bezels. And of course, just the two color options, the space gray and the silver. So no HDMI ports like the newer Mac, larger MacBook pros have no SDXC slots, no MagSafe. Uh, it's just that, that USB-C. So it, it's an odd thing. And on the bright side, people are saying, hey, it's got great battery life. It's got the best battery life of all of the MacBook Pros out right now. It's got a great keyboard because it's, the, it's the version uh, after they moved away from the butterfly switches and back to the good old magic keyboard. Um, it's good quality of design and its performance is good, but... What is it, and why does it exist? <laughs> uh, what, what did y'all What did y'all think uh, as you were reading about this this new laptop, this new old laptop? I mean, the
2: reviews were just brutal, right? I mean, really, just calling it like the the, like uh, just dated, you know, like blasting the touch bar, and you know, Apple's lineup is is really confusing right now. Like, if you're a normal person and you go to Apple's page to buy yourself a MacBook, uh, you have to choose between the 13-inch MacBook Pro at 13, uh, 1300 dollars with them two chip. The 14-inch MacBook Pro at $2,000, which is a huge jump up with either the M1 Pro chip or the M1 Max chip <laughs> or the the
1: 16-inch for $2,500 with
2: the M1 Pro uh, or the no, M1 Max no. chip.
1: Yeah. No, or or what you should do is you should not buy the thirteen inch MacBook Pro right. at all under any circumstances. And you should get the new thirteen inch MacBook Air when that comes out with the M2 chip. Yeah. There's 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 no reason for this laptop to exist. Um there was a reason when the M1 lineup came out because we didn't have the 14 and the 16-inch models yet. Um it was still weird. Because even though it has the additional core, the performance comparison between the the Pro and the Air was so negligible that there was genuinely very little reason, I would say, to get one over the other. Um, uh, you know, especially for, for, for the price. But you could make the argument, oh well, you know, it has a fan. Maybe I'm going to squeeze out this little bit more performance or, or or whatever. But now you have the 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 Pro, the actual Pro, which is the 14-inch. Um, and, and I, I'm going to be honest, I have said this for the last couple of years for the, um, uh, and, and Jason Snell's Apple report card about how muddled the 13 inch MacBook lineup has been. Cause you had the non-touch bar version and then you have the touch bar version and now you have the, the air and you have the, you know, the M1 or now M2, you know, kind of like base model. And then you have the 14 inch. And the only thing I can get that they sell this is because economies of scale, because they, they have so many of the parts as the Verge reviews, which some of the reviews, as you said, were brutal, but the Verge still gave it an eight out of 10, which I think is too high based on the, if you actually read Monica's review, I don't understand how that score matches that review, but I digress. But I feel like this is one of those devices where they probably are able to make it very profitably. And Apple had said in the WWDC keynote that it was their second best-selling laptop after the MacBook Air, So I guess they want to sell it, but I don't understand any universe in which you would buy this over bumping up for the much better M1 Pro, which would be a couple of hundred dollars more if you were to do spec for spec, which I I get it's a couple hundred dollars, but I figure if you're going to go all in, you need to go all in or to spend Mm -hmm. basically the same amount of money and get the MacBook Air, Air, which is redesigned, has a better webcam, has MagSafe, et cetera.
0: What do you think, Bree? Do you think they're just trying to keep people like who are comfortable with this form factor, like give them something that feels like home? I,
2: I think it's honestly it's price. I mean, look, 13-inch MacBook, $1,300. 14-inch MacBook, $2,000. And that's before tax, before AppleCare, before right. all that stuff. This no, is, no, I, but, let me finish. This, sure, that's sure. a big difference in price. There's a really big difference in price. And I think... I think that for normal people looking at the MacBook that's that's like you know they just want an appliance they just want a car to get them from point A to point B they don't follow chips they don't follow all this stuff and I think for college students and a lot of people it's just it's it's where they want to start. I'm I'm fully in agreement with you, Christina. The better value is there with the the 14 inch MacBook, uh, but I think that this is kind of Apple's attempt to bring out something that bridges, uh, you know, that Pro space and the, the 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 like Air, which is supposed to be the bottom of the barrel MacBook, even though it's not. And I just I almost think they need to rename it because it's it's confusing in this lineup.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a naming thing, but I, I will once again say it's a $100 difference between the, the MacBook Air and this MacBook Pro. I don't think this is actually a MacBook Pro. I think most college students, most entry-level people are not buying the MacBook Pro. They're buying the MacBook Air. Um, the MacBook Air, the new one, is going to have, again, if it's anything based on last year's benchmarks, identical performance. I mean, identical it will have better colors. It will have um, a better webcam. It will have MagSafe. So yeah, I, I once again, I, I don't think this has any reason to exist.
0: Yeah, I think you've you've touched on something that feels relevant to me, which is that now with this lineup, the bottom of the barrel laptop, as you put it, Brie, has better specs than the I guess mid-tier, which would be the cheapest quote-unquote pro laptop i i feel like part of the the logic behind the decent reviews which like i i feel like taken in a vacuum like this is a machine that's going to work it's going to be fast it's going to do what you want it's like got really solid construction it's a it's going to be a good laptop but what makes it weird is where it is contextually within the lineup of apple laptops where it becomes a weird, bad, outdated laptop just because there's a cheaper laptop that is newer and has better specs. And then there's two like powerhouses that are more expensive, but are like if you are a pro and you're using this for work and it's either provided to you by your company or it's a tax write-off because it's your work machine, why wouldn't you spring for that? Um, that That's my feeling on it. I I'm just mystified as to... I mean, did they just want to like... Trot out the M2 chip and give it a give it a chance to be (laughs) tested in the workplace? Like what's going on here? Honestly, here's what I
1: honestly think what it is. I think that it is a completely a um optimizing their supply chain thing. They have all these parts, they have all these touch bars that they will never be able to use again. Um and and they have they have that they have this chassis and they have this tooling. I mean, this is really what I think it comes down to. That the screen, the tooling, the webcam, the touch bar the keyboard which is better but actually not that much better. Um and they wanna be able to continue to use those parts so they will have a hutch in my opinion, the margin uh and, and and actually I don't even think this is opinion. I think this is probably factual. I think if you were to compare the margins on the new MacBook Air and this MacBook Pro, I I, I cannot under I cann't I cannot conceive of a universe in which the margins would be better on the air. They're gonna be better on this pro. They sell buy their own accounts second only to the air in quantity so i think this is a cash grab because uh to Bree's point people who don't know any better which again if you're listening to this podcast tell your friends <laughs> do not buy the 13-inch MacBook <sighs> pro it is it is a bad deal and is a it, it's a fine laptop but it's a bad deal because if you're going to get 16 gigs of ram which in my opinion is should be minimum for anybody who's a pro And if once you get to that tier, you're talking about like a $200 price difference between the 14-inch and the 13-inch, and you get so much more. $200 at that point, because you're already closing in on on close to $2,000 once you upgrade those specs. So you're already past that that entry-level price point. But if you want the the actual entry-level machine, that Air is going to be the one that gets you there. But I think that it's kind of like In some ways, it's almost reverse of. Do you remember the old Airs that they kept around for years and years and years?
0: It's because the sloped lid. Yeah,
1: yeah, but but the ones that didn't have the Retina screen, like they kept them around for like way too long. They they sold them frankly, past the point when it was okay to sell them, and and for that reason, like they, the next version of macOS will not run on machines they were (laughs) selling three years ago, which is not okay, Um, uh, and so. But they kept them around for a really long time in the lineup. And the reason they did is because they sold millions of them. And I have to imagine they're selling millions of these touch bar machines and um, to, you know, in bulk or whatever. And uh, they just want to continue cranking in that profit as much as possible.
0: Yeah. This is
2: my question. And this is what I find really interesting. What do we think the story is with the touch bar? Because if we all agree that oh. this is largely a, a cash grab machine, that component to manufacture must have a, a non-trivial cost associated with it. So do you think Apple like had a long-term contract with these? Do you think that they just have a bunch of those parts around that they've yeah. just got to get out the door? Do you think like they looked at the tooling cost to actually... Like refactor this machine and have it it better. Like, what do we think yes. the story is with the touch bar? Because it's
0: crazy. They did a deal with a wizard.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no. Honestly, what I think it was is even though they had like the the you know the 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 what what do they call it the MacBook um, uh, escape you know the, the touch barless free like thirteen inch chassis, that one never got the redesigned keyboard which obviously was the biggest problem and and they they, they can't sell that keyboard ever again. Um, because that, no. that keyboard almost ruined them. So they redesigned it enough because they were waiting for, honestly, this is my conjecture, and I could be wrong here. My conjecture, though, is that when the M1 lineup came out, they didn't have the chips ready for the 14 and the 16-inch um, where you had the actual redesign. And so they had, at that point, they had to basically reuse a lot of the components that they had for the Air and the, the Retina Air and for the the Touch Bar uh, MacBook Pro. And I think the reason they they chose the Touch Bar two years ago was because they wanted to try to show some sort of value or something. I don't know. Maybe they were still hoping that people would 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 you know like accept and, and embrace the Touch Bar, and they didn't. And I think at this point, I think that there's no way they're going to redesign the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Um, in my opinion. Because, because
0: they have a 14-inch. Why would exactly, they?
1: <laughs> precisely. And they have the air, which, which you know, they've put a lot of money into redesigning, doing the tooling on. So I mm-hmm. think that they have all these shells and they just are not, they just are going to replace the chip and crank them out the same way they, they kept that that old chassis on the air.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And I can see the logic behind it. If you If you have all of this product sitting around, can you add value to it by giving it your bestest, newest, most wonderful chip? Maybe. Let's find out because we, we can move this stuff and we can maybe make some money off of it. Um, so that makes sense to me. Uh, that being said, listeners, you don't need to buy it. <laughs> uh, uh, it it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I don't know. Less touch bar, more touch screen is what I would like to see <laughs> out of the next generations of Apple laptops. I really do. I, I keep seeing people talking about this. And I I also think that that is, as much as they try to deny it, where we'll be going eventually. Come on, make it a big, make it the big iPad. Make my MacBook a big <laughs> iPad. That's bring, us touch, bring us touch, cowards. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Wealthfront it's considered a good idea to have a chunk of money stashed away for your long-term financial goals. And having a solid strategy for your long-term investing can give you real peace of mind. The secret to Wealthfront's performance is great software. It's built to make it easy and rewarding to build your long-term wealth. Wealthfront's automated trading optimizes your portfolio based on your own risk settings, which helps you reach your financial goals without lifting a finger. They also get you automatic tax breaks that can boost your returns, even when the market dips. You can go with Wealthfront's expert-built portfolios, including a socially responsible option that's designed around sustainability, diversity, and equity. Or you can build your own portfolio with their curated selection of funds. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. And Investopedia just named them their best robo advisor for 2022. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com/rocket. That is w-e-a-l-t-h-f-r-o-n-t.com/rocket to start building your wealth. Go to wealthfront.com/rocket to get started today. Our thanks to Wealthfront for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Well, let's talk about those graphics cards, huh? Woo, woohoo! We are seeing uh, crypto miners ditching their GPUs, and the cards are now showing up on third-party marketplaces. So, in recent months, uh, GPU prices had already been coming down alongside the crash of Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think last winter of course when when many people that I knew were shopping for GPUs they were just totally blocked out of the market because uh, much like a uh, newly released PS5 those things were being snatched up and or snatched up and resold at exorbitant prices because people were buying them uh, to use to mine cryptocurrency and now that that is no longer such a lucrative hot practice um, not, not so much happening. Miners are reselling GPUs en masse, uh, some for as low as five hundred twenty three twenty one, according to Tom's Hardware. Uh, let me remind my I think this was for the 3080, which uh, retails at $699. Uh, they were seeing it being resold for less than $550, which is a huge, uh, uh, that's a much smaller number. Also, according to Tom's Hardware, large mining operations are are adapting to the times as well as like independent, uh, crypto miners, bit farms, a large Toronto organization sold off $62 million worth of Bitcoin to raise cash and stay liquid. Um, so it's an interest. It's an interesting time out there. It's, I think another, uh, symptom of the cryptocalypse that we're (sighs) in right now, whether or not this is a blip as, uh, as some, People in the industry are saying, or a longer, uh, longer sort of freeze. What were they calling it? The crypto winter, Uh, whether it is merely a season or perhaps as in Game of Thrones, a season that will last for decades. Uh, (laughs) We are not sure yet, but what is true is that crypto miners are um, kind of ditching the game as it no longer becomes as profitable as it was. Uh, The question remains as people uh, are saying, hey, Can I now upgrade my gaming PC with a GPU? Should people be buying these secondhand GPUs? Is it safe? Is it sane? Is it consensual? Uh, Brianna, any thoughts
2: on this? Okay, wait. So we got to start at the beginning. the question is like, is this a good thing? Obviously, this is good. Uh, before the show, I was looking at eBay, and like these prices are totally reasonable um, on these now. Like even the the cost of new cards is coming down. Christina, I I couldn't remember how much did uh, the thirty ninety that you helped me get uh, cost.
1: It's two thousand. Um, oh. Uh, right, see which 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 was very close to retail at that time,
2: yeah, yeah, and you can get those used right now for a thousand, uh, you know, whether that's something you should buy is a whole nother story, but you know, those prices are like you couldn't even get those for the longest time, the price of a thirty eighty online, you can get one for like eight hundred dollars, y'all. Like, like that's, that's not that bad. Is that
0: sold new from retailer or that's that's used used on eBay? But
2: you couldn't even get these for the longest time. So like objectively, this isn't like Twitter clickbait. Uh, The prices really are coming down and there is a huge glut of these cards on the market. Now, as far as should you buy one, my opinion on this is if this is being run by cryptocurrency miners, it has existed in a very, very, very hot state, nonstop, pretty much, right? It's been running mm-hmm. to make money. Um, and, you know, heat wears down electronic components. So you're, it's like the equivalent of you buying a car that has like 200,000 miles on it. You know, <laughs> is that necessarily like a, a no deal? Not necessarily. Like you could save a couple of dollars here. Uh, personally, I wouldn't though.
1: Yeah. I, and I, I think I mostly agree with that. I think um, if it's still working at this point, it, you could make the argument that it has been very seriously stress tested. And <laughs> um, and, 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 and depending on, on and depending on what you're wanting to do with it and depending on how seriously you're wanting to game and depending on how good the deal is, you could get a card that works well. This is not the first time that we've had, um, you know, graphics card prices drop after a crypto winter this also happened, uh, you know, in like 2017, 2018 um, with the, you know, the, the 10 and the 20 series cards. So we've seen this before. Um, I do feel like it, w- it could be a risk and it could be one of those things where, uh, like, I don't think I would buy a 3090, for instance, right? I think that a 3090, it, it's almost certainly been, I mean, 3080s as well, but 3090s because of the, the price point of the MSRP. Um, I feel like that, to me, would be like, if you could get it... Closer to to new. Um, if you're already willing to spend that amount of money, I, I would I would find one of those. Um, if you could get a 3080 for 500 bucks, which I'm not saying, which which some some places are, are are looking at that. I don't know. I mean, I I think I think I think it varies because even um, also some of these cars might still be under warranty, so that would be another thing to look at too. Ooh. Because because some of these cars, like my card, my 3080 has a three year warranty. So, uh, you know. If you're getting one of these cars for 500 bucks, and if it still has a warranty, even if re- if it breaks down, you could conceivably send it in to be repaired. Um, and at this point, it seems like they might actually have parts to repair it, which was not the case before. But, yeah, I mean, the fact is, is you can get 3080s. Um, I basically paid retail for mine, which was I paid about $800 for it. And um, uh, maybe it was $850 because I had to get a, a stupid exploding um, power supply alongside <laughs> it. So I still <laughs> got like a really good deal, new in box deal, but you can now get refurbished models for, for, for eight hundred bucks for the thirty eighties. Um and I'm seeing some other listings for brand new for 900 dollars on eBay, but you can do even better, you know, going directly from a, a a retailer. I think my bigger question would be, okay, the new GPUs are coming out in the fall. And at this point, I guess it depends on, on what type of game you want to play. Like if if you want to see what is the improvement going to be with the 4000 series GPUs, and do you want to see what, what AMD is coming out with? And potentially, is availability going to be better because now the crypto crash has happened and so presumably supply won't be as constrained. Um, although those cards are also supposed to be more expensive, to be clear. So there, there are trade-offs. But I think now, to me, it would be more of a question of You've waited this long. There's still going to be this used market in three months. Do you want to just wait and see what the what the next-gen cards look like before throwing money after it? That that would be my, my yeah, big Yeah, like assuming
0: the crypto slump is still happening and uh, inventory is no longer constrained, it might be—I mean, a, a fresh card would then be an investment for the coming years— Whereas a card that was maybe good when you bought it last winter and then was used to mine crypto, maybe not up until end of life, but certainly, as you said, Bree, in a very hot location, like running 24-7, uh, potentially being overclocked, like that, it, it, it might not be the worst thing in the world, but it is a gamble. Whereas saying, OK, I'm going to spend a bigger chunk of cash, invest in something that is new that is the latest thing that i can maybe rely on for for a few years that feels safer to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, i agree. Um Christina, i want i want to tap on something you were saying which is uh you know with the the next generation graphics cards, uh, the the you know 4080, 4090 all of that coming out next month. I i am of the opinion because this has been so supply constrained and additionally, because COVID slowed down game development so much as an industry, I mean, honestly, go look at uh, the the release schedule between now and the end of the year. It's really bare. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think that if you're buying a 3080 today, you're really, I mean, this is like buying a PS5 like one year in. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like there's a oh, lot totally. of life ahead of these cards. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of games Coming out that are going to use this stuff, we're not going to be like really pushing the graphics aggressively for a while because people have just not been able to get these graphic cards and use them. So I'm looking at Newegg right now, and you can get these for eight hundred dollars new, just flat out new from Newegg. Exactly. Just do that. That's 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 good money for this.
1: No, I agree, and 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 I and I would I would recommend that too. The only reason I'm saying that I would maybe wait for the next cars, it would just be to see what the performance delta and the prices. Because again, the cars that are selling new are not going to disappear. It's not like they're going right. to disappear from the market. It's not like they're not going to be for sale. Um, and it's not like the prices might not even come down even further if they have to, you know, for, uh, clear out inventory. Um, from the leaks that we've seen, some of the performance details. The theoretical stuff looks like it could be impressive, but to your point, I don't think the games are even taking advantage of what 3080s are doing. And, and for a 3080, like a, the 4080, obviously, I think would probably be, you know, a, a better card. It's also going to require more power and, and the, the 3000 series were always already very power hungry. But um, it would be one of those things, like I would be like, okay, if I'd been looking at a 3070 or, or a 3060 Ti, would I maybe want to wait to see what the next gin is coming out if I've already waited this long. So, uh, but but I would say like, if, if you've been waiting for two years to build a gaming PC and you can get a 3080 for um, $800 right now, you're not going to be, I agree with you, you're not going to be upset with your decision. It's going to be exactly like getting a PS5 a year in where it's still a great machine. It still does exactly what you need it to do. It's still going to be a great card. Uh, I think it's more for people who are like, I haven't been waiting. Like, I don't have all my parts ready to go. And maybe I just want to see what is what, what the specs are going to be. And, and if prices potentially come down even lower, because they might. Um, because, you know, NVIDIA and, and AMD are going to be wanting to sell their next generation of cards. Um, and, and you know, uh, retailers only have so much warehouse space. So some of them, so some of the prices might become even more... Um, you might even find better deals. That's all I'm saying. But but I would I totally agree with you. If if this is something that you've been waiting for a long time, I think now is is a great time to get a card because you can actually get it for MSRP and, and MSRP of what it was two years ago, not the inflated MSRP that you know a lot of the, the um, manufacturers uh, took on, and and you can get something that that to your point, we haven't even really scratched the potential of because of the delays and everything that uh, impact the COVID has had. You know, what's
2: funny is NVIDIA has been waiting forever to like bring out their, their specific GPUs for cryptocurrency miners. I know. (laughs) And we've been waiting for it. They're finally going to bring it to market. Our solution, (laughs) our solution to like, to fix this problem. And they're going to debut it. Nobody's going to buy that. No one is going to buy it at all. Uh, The other part is, do you think they're going to retroactively, if this really is the case, do you think they're going to unnerve her cards and let normal people just run cryptocurrency stuff and dagger hashing on this? Because they should.
1: No, of course they they won't. Of course, no, they, of course they won't, because because the thing is, it was the nerf, the card nerfing, which by the way, people have found ways against certain things anyway, and and I have one of the unnerved cards as do you, you know, so they can't do anything um, to that. Like uh, if you had a TI, it, it, it's different, but like no, that was that was a completely, I was against it at the time. I don't care what your opinion on a cryptocurrency is. You shouldn't be doing that sort of thing um as, as a manufacturer i think it's gross but no they did it because now they had they have to get another reason way to segment um and charge more for certain things mm-hmm. and when crypto does inevitably come back because it will because ponzi schemes are forever um you know the, who know? I, i'm not making any predictions about how long it'll be but it, i definitely feel like it'll be one of those things where where uh Prices will will go up again, and whatever the the fifty eighty or, or whatever those cards will the at that point they will then once they launch them have their their crypto versions for sale alongside their their gaming versions. But but I agree with you. It it is ironic that they waited all this time to have the the crypto <laughs> yeah. cards, and by the time they're finally ready. And you know what couldn't happen to nicer people. Couldn't happen yeah. to nicer people than, than the people grouging You know the the, the gamers out there. So. Whatever. That's
0: what I saw. Just to briefly touch on this before we move on, uh, John Loeffler in his Tech Raider write up of this uh, addresses the question of whether or not people should be like rebuying these cards from a totally different angle. Like, A, no, because you don't know what condition they'll be in. B, what if we don't help the people who gouged the the graphics card market remake some of the money that they may have lost by right by you know helping them resell these cards like mm. I, there's you know it's not like uh, it, it's not like i'm planting a flag in this moral high ground but i do think it's kind of funny that like you know no no you don't get to resell it right be hung out to dry for a little bit <laughs> deal with it
1: <laughs> i mean i mean i mean I, th- I think that i mean i think that that, that that's true I I guess I unfortunately have the more realistic point of view, which is all these things were bought usually in pallets uh, from um, uh, people who had direct contacts and and, and other kind of sneaky ways. And they've also been resold already to people who are then putting them on eBay and other places directly. Yeah. So the top of the food chain has already made their money. So they already got their money. So to me at this point, I don't I don't actually care. I mean, I think it's funny, but like it anybody, any card you see on eBay the miner already got their cash for reselling yeah. that card.
0: All right. Let's move on to our dessert of the day. Uh, we're going to be talking about a piece from Alex Kranz, friend of the show, on The Verge, uh, which is all about streaming and the ways in which, like, even so many years into the streaming boom, uh, it it is kind of failing us in terms of uh, personalization, despite the fact that, of course, every streaming platform has your number, is watching your home, uh, <laughs> has satellites trained on your person, and is uh, watching all of your consumer behavior. There's still very few ways to like genuinely customize your viewing, uh, your your viewing experience. Uh, so Alex's whole argument is that. As we get into a world of further like interconnected TV shows, like all of the Star Trek series that are on various platforms, including Paramount Plus, all of the uh, Star Wars shows and movies and Marvel shows and movies on Disney Plus, um, and then even bringing in older shows such as like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or the CW's DC Universe shows, there. are Nobody is really filling a niche outside of like Google and uh, media websites of helping people figure out what order to watch things in, how to consume the wider extended universe, uh, how to create a personalized playlist, as it were, uh, that can help guide you through that universe, um, and as well as you know fewer few personalizable viewing options. In the rush to, you know, fill the universe with content, Uh, Alex points out, we're still in a situation where a lot of a lot of that content uh, doesn't support 4K or HDR, which the, you know, best and brightest TVs do support Um, shows pop in and out of platforms monthly just coming in and out all the time. Um and users, you know, in response churn through through those platforms, uh trying to follow their favorite shows or just trying to find new stuff to watch. Um I, I found this I found this really interesting to read, particularly because of the point of of that that lack of Uh, Customization and personalization in the viewing experience. Uh, The example that she uses, which I found really relevant, was um, because the Obi Wan Kenobi show, I believe, had its finale this week, was about the Star Wars universe. And she writes that um, it's a show that could, quote unquote, benefit from playlists that allow you to watch content in the order set in the universe rather than in the order they were filmed. Uh, When you watch solo, Uh, In comparison to The Mandalorian, when do you watch Obi-Wan Kenobi or The Bad Batch or Rebels or the upcoming Ahsoka Tano show? And like, why are we not able to use streaming platforms to as like the first, you know, step to help us figure out when to dive in and out of all of these shows? Uh, Speaking from personal experience, this is maybe a more niche example, but as I've been watching Formula One Drive to Survive... (laughs) Over the last couple weeks of my life, um, I like immediately got into it. Um, I really, really enjoy it. It follows like the drivers on the F1 circuits from the 2018 season up through the 2021 season. It was a total immediate win for me from episode one. However, I uh, have had trouble convincing everyone in my life that they should watch a show about cars and car racing because a lot of people like me when I first heard about it had the knee-jerk reaction of I don't I think car racing is boring and I don't want to watch it so I actually went through and I, I basically re-watched a lot of the series and I created my own personal list of episodes that I found like the most immediately grabby but then also that followed uh, the, you know, ups and downs of one particular team so that I could say, okay, I can, I'm not going to make you watch episodes one through 10 of the car show, but here are five episodes that I think really show what it, that, that, that follow a theme that this show has so that I can, in a, in a very uh, curated way convince you that you should spend more time with this show um and it freaking worked and i got people to watch the car show um so yeah that that's just uh some uh, disorganized personal thoughts about the state of streaming and the ways that streaming shows could potentially like do more in this world uh Brianna. What do you think? Just flipping a coin. Who do I call on first? Teacher's having a, a long day. Uh, Brianna, what do you think?
2: I, I was, uh, I'm interested in, in y'all's thoughts on this. I was really torn on this piece because, look, I I, I love Alex, but it's like I, I just flat out don't see this as a, a problem. You know, it's like sometimes, yeah, you want to dig in and... Like, I'll give you an example. 24 is my favorite show. It's kind of a pain in the ass to uh, see 24 Redemption, which is the TV movie they filled between season uh, uh, six and seven, which is really, really important to the the overall plot of the series. And it's a pain in the butt, because every time I'm watching the whole series back to back, I have to, you know, go into my movies and find this different thing. It's just, you know, it's it's not a great experience, but... It's it's not like a deal breaker and the truth is like I feel like the days of needing to understand like an entire storyline to get the gist of it or or seek out every last little bit of media. Like remember when we did that with star Wars, there's so much damn star Wars these days. There's like, you can't do that. You'll go crazy <laughs> if you try it. So, I mean, I hear what she's saying and I, I would never tell someone that what they want from like streaming is wrong, but it just didn't seem like a, a real problem to me. Like, to be honest, the, the thing of going, oh, uh, yeah, what service is that on? Uh, that Anna Delvey show, is that on Netflix? Is it on Paramount? Is it on Showtime? Like like jumping through all these streaming services, that's the thing that drives me crazy about streaming. But maybe maybe I'm just crazy on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I agree with her and I, I have, to have to say, you know, I, I'm also in a group chat with her. So I, while she was watching um, Star Trek, which is where I think the genesis for this idea came from, um, I do think there is a problem when you have, uh, I agree with you that the bigger problem is what service am I trying to watch on and the fact that we don't have a unified TV guide there are a number of different services that have tried to do it and, and that the different services don't all want to play nice with each other, you know, where like Netflix doesn't show up in the up next stuff on Apple TV and, and some mm-hmm. services do show up on some things with Amazon but not in others. All that stuff, I, I agree. I think that's a bigger problem. But to like Simone's point, like you creating that playlist of like episodes of the car show for people to watch and and I do think that for when you are talking about revivals, especially in reboots, like... The example you described, Brie, like if, if it's very important if you're rewatching 24 and that movie is available to watch, and I don't know what the licensing is that for that is or or, or isn't, but if that's available on, say, Hulu or wherever uh, 24 um, lives, um, I, I I don't even know because I don't know. If, I know it was a Fox show, but I don't know if Warner Brothers made it or someone else. Um, if I have to track down. Okay, what are the rights for this? And or do I need to try to find somebody's Plex server or buy this or whatever the case may be? And I'm genuinely going to be missing big context for stuff, which I which I thought was was a a good point in in her um, uh, piece because like if you're rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer for the first time, similar to 24, like there were a bunch of episode crossovers with Angel, and. If you don't know that, that I also have to find, you know, Angel on streaming and watch some of these crossover episodes, I'm going to miss how this was resolved because that's how episodic television crossovers used to work is that they would force you to, you know, start on one night and then follow on the other. And then sometimes they would even do cross network things like you would have like the McBeal and McBeal and, and the practice crossovers across networks, although they were the same production company, but you'd have to watch, you know practice on Sunday nights on ABC and then tune in on Monday nights on Ally McBeal to see how something ended up, that could be really frustrating. But And I'm rambling here too, but I actually think the best idea would be this playlist concept of being able to say, this is maybe the order of things you should watch, related things. And the reason I think this would be great, you then make that a feature you can share And if you do that within your app, which most of the apps are terrible, but if you do that within your app, I think that that could create a stickiness and a social aspect that none of these services have embraced and have really done Mm. good things with, which would reduce your churn. So if I know that, for instance, I can create a playlist, a watch list of shows, maybe even but not related, but I could just say, okay, this is a watch list for Simone about shows about scammers, or this is a show for (laughs) free... About you know uh, you know like like CIA you know operatives who are trying to kill each other and then I have my listing of all the things I think you should watch and I can share that with you and you can open it up in that app and you can start watching that content and you go oh well, Christina's recommended I watch these movies or these TV shows to me that feels like that could be a stickier thing that would prevent me from maybe churning this frequently because I now have an easy way of sharing like. We've, we've talked about this on the show before. There's so much content. We're in a glut of content. We have riches of it. And we have not just new stuff, but back catalogs and curation uh, and discovery is the biggest problem. And I think that if these services could offer some tools, use the users because the media companies are already doing these things. It would be similar to Spotify Playlist, right? Which has been a great way, I think, that Spotify has maintained its user base because lots of people embed playlists on websites or share them with friends. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that if you were able to do the same concept with a streaming service, especially when now that they have a lot of these libraries, even if stuff disappeared, if you could even see it, it was grayed out. Okay. Well then maybe I'll go get the DVDs or, or buy them from iTunes or, or, you know, see if the library has them or whatever, you know, borrow, uh, Christina's Plex like (laughs) that. Those are, (laughs) those, those are things I think that might, Bring key people in the ecosystem in their in their respective ecosystems longer.
2: I also think it would just be fun, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. right. Like Homeland. Like when I watch Homeland, just to be really honest, like I, I every. Every episode of that show is great, but there are about 10 episodes like Alt Truth and a False Glimmer, which are just the best television ever made. And I would love to be able to tell Apple TV, like, just like when I'm listening to music, add to playlist, Right. right? I would use that all the time. And they could be like, yeah, I could share that with you or Simone, like, I could ask you, okay, I will watch this F1 series. Give me the top three episodes that I need to do exactly. to really get into this. Share this with me; that would mm-hmm. that would really be helpful. I'm I'm a hundred percent there with you.
0: Yeah, and I think to your your earlier point about the breadth of the Star Wars universe, you're correct that like nobody nobody needs to go in and thoroughly consume all of Star Wars. But if <laughs> say I love Obi Wan Kenobi and I want to know, okay, I want to watch the prequels and i and then i and i want to watch things in chronological order to yep. on like what happens in the universe i want to know which episodes of i star wars rebels i think he's mm-hmm. might also be in which episodes of rebels oh, right. i need to watch and then go up to the original movies like that would be an interesting feature and is it necessary totally. no it's not necessary at all but is it a way to make a more meaningful viewing experience on a streaming platform when all streaming platforms kind of at this point feel the same and they're all full of a front page with fifty different shows that are all trying to convince you to watch them and it's very it's very intimidating and very difficult to choose yeah it, it could be I think a really meaningful and thoughtful tool to set uh, streaming platforms apart from each other and to like embrace what they have rather than just focus on like what is hot and what is next. right? Yeah. And what would be cool about that too, I mean, and this is something that's interesting, like
1: the technology is already there. This is what's frustrating about it. Like Amazon has like their x-ray technology, which is actually really good where it'll show you, you know, the actors who are in specific scenes and things like that. And Apple TV has similar features and they all have all this metadata. So wouldn't it be cool if even within the service, they could say like, okay, this is our Obi Wan starter list that we're giving you. You can share with others, or you can customize <gasps> your own. But this is the appearance, <laughs> this is the first place they appeared. Th- these, are the, these are the key episodes you wanna watch. You can maybe do whatever you order you want, but these are the places where they've been. Like with the Marvel films, especially, that would be killer if you're like, I wanna watch the whole arc of this particular person, but I don't have, you know, 55 hours to dedicate to this endeavor. What wh- Where do I need to go? Like, how cool would that be? That'd be super
0: cool. All right. So let's talk about what we are up to this week. Uh, Christina, you've already told us a, a bit, but is there anything else you want to add about uh, what your week is looking like? Where yeah, can people so watch I'm, you, I guess? Are you uh, yeah, doing so activities?
1: You, um, well, uh, most of it has is, is, is been uh, work stuff. Uh, uh, so if you are going to be in Tel Aviv next week, I will be at a, a startup conference, um, on uh, on Sunday, um, and so if you happen to be there, uh, rocket rules obviously apply. But I would love to love to see anyone who's there. Um, I'm in Copenhagen for the rest of this week. I'm doing things at work. I will be shipping a video, uh, YouTube.com/slash/GitHub. But yeah, I've just it's been really nice to meet some of my colleagues for the first time in person. Um, oh. A bunch of our teams got together, and it's been really nice. So not only have I been in another you know country, which is it's, travel is back, baby. But it's, mm-hmm. it's been really amazing to be able to meet people in person for the first time. And some people who I didn't know at all because I'm still new to, to, to GitHub. So it's been really, really nice just spending time with people. And I'm really, really excited to go back to Tel Aviv um, for oh. the first time in three years next week.
2: All that right. sounds awesome. I, I love the idea of a of rocket listener sitting around the monocle in a talk hat and is <laughs> like, well, yes, I will be in Tel Aviv next week. Let me pull out the private jet and just fly over.
0: Hmm? Or if you or if you happen to live in the area. <laughs> or, that's right, all I'm or saying, if you happen so. to live there, either one. So. Or the private jet. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Brianna, what are you up to?
2: Okay, so I will try to keep this super, super short. Um, I, I will try to keep this story super short, but... You know, I met a Rocket listener in the weirdest damn place this week. Um, oh, yeah? So, uh, Star Wars Legion is like a wargaming tabletop game. And uh, Frank uh, Frank is like uh, argle-bargling the rules to defeat me and goes on there. And somebody <laughs> there was like, I want to hear about what y'all are arguing about on the podcast. And... Yeah, we're like, podcast? He's like, yeah, aren't you the host of Rocket? And I'm like, yeah, I am. So <laughs> I I want to tell y'all this situation and get your sense. Did Frank okay. cheat by doing this? And I will try to tell the mechanics of this because war games are very, very complicated. But okay, so imagine to win a war game, you're, you're given objective cards. And as you accomplish things on the objective cards, you get victory tokens. And the person at the end that has the most victory tokens wins the game. Does, does that make sense to you? Yeah. Sure. Okay, cool. So Frank comes to me and says, no, I don't want to play a game with uh, objective cards. Let's just play and we'll do a team kill, right? Like we just we're trying to kill each other's armies. He's the rebels and the empire just pew, pew, like trying to murder each other. I'm like, Uh, I really want to play with objective cards. And he's like, no, 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 let's do it this way. I'm like, fine. Uh So then Frank is playing the game and he's like, ha ha! And he brings out R2-D2 in this. And R2-D2 has a secret property where he can score a victory token. And so Frank is going... You know what? Even though we designed this game so you can't win any victory tokens, I pulled out R2-D2 and I win no matter what. (sighs) Did Frank Well, your mistake
0: was was not making him sign a binding contract. (laughs) Right. You know, it was (laughs) a verbal deal. We all witnessed it, but I don't think that'll hold up in a court of law unless it was perhaps recorded or written down, Brianna. I'm sorry, but rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. He's a cheater, but he's within his legal rights.
2: Uh, marriage court operates by a much more flexible
1: set of
0: judicial <laughs> <traditional> standards.
1: <laughs> Christina, what do you think? I mean, obviously he cheated, but I also think you left yourself open for this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Don't trust your so, husband It's really the message.
0: I mean, w- <laughs> he's gonna be thrown Obviously, in marriage yeah. jail
1: yeah no well, well well but 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 at the same time Bree, because like you're you're the white like you should know you should know that these right. things should happen so i feel like yeah. part of this is victim on you blaming the wife <laughs> i mean look it's <laughs> on not my podcast. Podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm not victim blaming i'm saying you should know better i mean I like i'm, I'm just
2: too. <laughs> I know who I'm married to. Frank can't win by playing, so he wins. Yeah, Frank works in patent law, so he stays up all night reading the cards, looking for legal loopholes, just like he does. Uh, yeah. application. Yeah. So, which,
1: which, I, yeah. which I have to say, I kind of don't hate. Yeah. I kind of, that's clever, at least. Like, here's the thing. At least you you know it's only on a technicality. So, <laughs> and, 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 and you can also know that really, if a push comes to shove, you can be like, okay, but you know I really won and he's gonna he's gonna capitulate (laughs) you can destroy him
2: respect him
0: for this but anyway there it is rocket listener it was
2: great meeting you there it is
0: (laughs) thank you uh let's see this week oh god there was gonna be something and now i've completely forgotten it (gasps) no Uh, uh, go follow polygon on tiktok are you on oh, tiktok are you doing polygon um, TikToks? polygon again? is yeah our new social video producer is making videos <gasps> for us there and they are nice. so good they're very funny um so i totally recommend uh popping over oh no i remember what i was going to talk about brianna we were talking about this briefly before the show i was going to make you guess the thing that i'm going to do immediately after we stop recording because we're early but i'm going to tell you because we're now overtime, and i'm going to make not going to make you guess anymore I'm okay. gonna continue playing Dong and a oh,
2: game that wow. famously you like.
0: What chapter are you on? We just started. Um, so nobody is even dead yet. <gasps> um but yeah a lot of a lot of wildness ahead of me so, i think
2: okay so trust me it, it takes a while to get into the story even if you're feeling a little bored keep it up through chapter 3 cuz i promise okay. at that point the story hooks will get you and you'll have to know the secret i i promise you yes. um just what are you thinking of it so far
0: i'm enjoying it i think it's bizarre and yeah. uh the and very very stylish I'm playing it with my roommate who has played it before and like she really loves it. Um, so she's kind of watching me play and helping me when I get stuck. Oh. Um, I I like all the characters. I think they're all like immediately iconic. Um, and it's made me laugh several times, uh, just because of the the things that people say. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to get into like when the plot actually kicks in, and presumably I assume I don't know anything about it, people will start dying. Question oh, mark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> you're going to fall in love with the character, and they're going to die, and that's going to no. happen, like, I don't want to say how many times, but more than one time. <laughs> so, oh, no. so, the way this works is, like, every one of those characters, you're going to have really, really deep feelings for by the end of the game, because the characterization is so good. Um you know, like, like, which is why the, the, the murders are so terrible. So
0: can't wait to be crushed. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, well, Brianna, where can we find you online?
2: Oh, you can find me on, uh, on, uh, Twitter at
0: Brianna. And Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl
1: on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Uh, my hotel tours are back. They are now, um, in Instagram real form. Um, I should probably bring them to TikTok. So if you want to see, my hotel tour from Copenhagen that is on my, uh, Instagram. Um, and I will do one from Tel Aviv as well. And, uh, you can find the videos I do at work at youtube.com slash github. And just another reminder, if you happen to be at all, at all founders in Tel Aviv next week, let me know. Um, I would love to uh, say hello if you happen to be there. So
0: that's it. Awesome, and you can find me on Twitter and everywhere else at Doom Quasar, and my videos at youtube.com slash Polygon, and Polygon is also on TikTok at Polygon. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Rockets. I hope that you enjoyed it, uh, and uh, we will of course be back next week with another news filled episode for you. Uh, please leave a review if you enjoyed this; it helps other people find the podcast as well. In the meantime. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.